Hi everybody, this is Phil Ledgerwood at Integrity Inspired Solutions. We're an agile software development shop where we are building software day in and day out. Welcome to the show, Agile Bytes, where we talk about agility and things that you can do to increase your organization's agility, get buy-in, and most importantly, empower you as a person who wants to bring greater agility to your organization. So sit back, relax, I hope you enjoy it, and we're gonna get started. Hey, Agile folks, welcome to this episode of Agile Bytes. And today I wanna to do something a little different. I want to start with a dedication. Don't normally dedicate episodes, but I'm going to dedicate today's episode. And I'm gonna dedicate it to every business analyst who has ever had to take a requirements document and spend hours breaking that document down into multiple statements that say, as a role, I want a function so that I can benefit. If you've ever had to do that, I salute you. Thank you for your service. But today we're gonna talk about user stories. And hopefully the things that we share today uh, will maybe help liberate you from that kind of work. There's a lot of misconceptions about user stories and how they're used and how they should be written. And I personally feel that if your user stories are pretty solid, a lot of the rest of your process is going to be pretty solid as well. So I wanna spend some time talking about that. In order to really understand user stories, I think it helps if we go back to roots. So I want you to, to go back in time before you took your Scrum Master certification or, or any of that stuff. And I wanna talk about extreme programming. User stories are a practice that do not come from Scrum or Kanban or anything like that. They come from extreme programming. And here's what you did. You sat down across from a user and you talk to them about their job. What are the things that they had to get done during the day and what did that look like? And you had a stack of empty note cards in front of you. And as the user talked, you would take a note card and you would jot down the things that they said. And when you ran out of space, you would put that note card aside, pull out another note card, start writing. Or when you found natural breaking points in what they were telling you, you could switch note cards. But the point is, is that the physical size of the note cards meant you could really only write down a few sentences. And so by virtue of the note cards being small, you ended up with this stack of note cards that had these bite-sized chunks or these little slices into the day-to-day -day of the user that you were building software for. Hence the witty name, user stories, because they were the stories that the user told you. Pretty cool, huh? It's kind of interesting because a lot of what I've seen in the air as user stories were not written by a user and did not come from users and are often not stories either, but we still call them that because we're agile. So I want you to have that picture in your head as we talk. The idea behind the user story was to capture this bite-sized chunk of something the user had to do, some valuable activity that they had to get done. And the physical size of the note card made sure that you were only capturing a very small chunk at a time. So that's where user stories came from. And even though that practice may have evolved and been tweaked and people found things that did or didn't work for them, I like to go back to those roots because it shows you what the intent of the user story is, the value of the user story and what the user story is really supposed to be about. Well, these days, things are a little bit different. We don't use physical note cards a lot of the time. Different formats and things have kind of arisen that have helped people out or, or gotten in the way, depending on, on how you view those kinds of things. But the intention, right, the point of the user story is still the same. 
capturing those little bite-sized slices, photos, insights into things that a user actually needs to do. Now, why do we do this? What is the value of doing software this way or gathering requirements this way? Well, one thing is that user stories are small. Nope, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's the main value. Every value that comes from doing things in a user story manner comes from the fact that the user stories are small. It's taking the small batch principle and applying it to our requirements. So when we have user stories, we have these little bite-sized chunks. They're a lot easier to reason about. We're not trying to solve the whole problem that an application is trying to solve. We can deliver value much more quickly because we can get these tiny chunks out the door a lot faster than we can get a whole project uh, or even a whole MVP out the door. And it gives us a lot of flexibility in terms of prioritization. If the project is one big lump, there's not really a whole lot of room to easily say, well, this part of the project is not as valuable as this other part of the project, or we want to work on the first third of the project and then fund something else for a while and then come back and do the second. It's really hard to do when everything is a big batch, but when things are small batches, it's very easy to reprioritize, redirect, cut scope, or even facilitate adding scope, facilitating adding changes. So the, the small batches are what make it really valuable. But you'll also notice, we go back to the roots of user stories. They are stories that a user tells you about things they need to get done. And what that does is it sets us as developers in the mentality of building software that enables the users to do things, that enables them to be awesome at the things that they need to get done. It puts that at the center of the software. And if you think about applications or software that you've recommended to your friends, you probably didn't recommend it because it had tons and tons of features or that the UI was, was so much better looking than all the competitors, although sometimes that does happen too. But the odds are pretty good that you recommended your app or whatever it was because it let you do something in a way that was easier or better or more productive in some way than other apps you could have used. And it got you excited. So when we're building software, I love that user stories keep our focus on that. It's what does the user want to get done now let's translate that into software because that's valuable for the users. Screens are not valuable for users. Dropdowns are not valuable for users. Buttons are not valuable for users. Database tables, APIs, all the things that we as development teams care about do not have direct value to users. What has value to them is enabling them to get the things done that they need to get done. And user stories help us keep the focus on that in bite-sized chunks that allow us to be very nimble in how we handle those. And that's where agility comes in because the smaller our batches are, the more room we have to be agile. I often tell our own teams, one of the values of the user stories are the white spaces in between them when you put them on a board because every space between cards is an opportunity to reprioritize. It's an opportunity to redefine scope. It's an opportunity to have conversations about what's truly valuable. The bigger the batches are, the harder those conversations become. So now that we're clear on what the user story's value is and what it's supposed to represent and what it's supposed to accomplish, let's talk about what things go into and what things don't go into a good user story. So one of the things that makes for a good user story 
is it should be the smallest deliverable unit of value, okay? A lot of times there's a lot that's been written about slicing down user stories, about breaking them apart. A lot of times it's more art than science. There's not a textbook that tells you when a user story is too big or too small. There's been several frameworks that people have proposed to help keep your user stories small. Like you might've heard of the invest framework or the smart framework. You can look those up. I'm not gonna go over them right now. For me, I tend to ask some very pragmatic questions like, could we test this apart from this other thing? Could we prioritize this piece differently than we would prioritize that piece? Because the thing is, is a lot of times, both ourselves and users, we have difficulty imagining the user stories apart from what we're actually going to release. And a release decision is totally different than how we're gonna break things up into user stories. We may choose to only release after 10, 20, or 30 user stories are done, but how we break things up into user stories has nothing to do with that. And so we ask ourselves things like, could different developers be working on these things independently? Could a tester be testing this while I'm working on that? Those things kind of give you a hint as to where your user story boundaries might be. We really want to drill these down into their smallest deliverable unit of value. We want them to be as small as possible, but they also need to be an actual unit of value. They, they need to actually be something that a user can get done. So we don't want user stories like add this button to the page or add this form field or things like that. We want the user stories to really focus on what a user wants to get done. And that's kind of the second thing that I think is important to a user story is not only is it as small as we can get it, but it focuses on a capability. It focuses on something a user wants to do, right? A business capability. It, it doesn't focus on user interface. It doesn't focus on technical considerations. It really revolves around something the user wants to do. It, it's, it's something that a user should be able to ask for. Like if they were sitting in front of you and you were writing these down on blank note cards, is your user story something a user might actually say? Also, we want our user stories to have in there somewhere, somehow. We want to identify who wants this. We want to identify what it is we want and we want to identify why we want it. That's very important context for development teams to have but it's also very important context when you're talking about things like prioritization, right? Everyone can come up with a benefit for what they want to do, but not all benefits serve the organization to an equal amount. And so having that context around our user stories is pretty helpful. I had a project one time where they gave us about a million dollar project to do. And as we asked around, we found out that nobody actually asked for it. It was just in their portfolio backlog somewhere and, and its number came up, right? But it turned out that nobody wanted it. So, you know, ask, <laughs> ask who wants things. That's very important. And of course, what they want, that's the easy part, right? What's the functionality that they want? Again, the focus is not on using a screen or a UI to do it. The focus is on what needs to be done. And then we want to know why they want to do it. What's the benefit? What happens if we don't do it? Why is it good? that someone's able to do this. And I found some organizations will even critically revise their business process as we talk about user stories, because as we start to ask those questions like, well, why do you need to do that? What happens if you don't do it? On occasion, you'll run into those steps where users are like, 
well, actually, I don't know why we do that, you know, or, well, we've always done it that way, but I'm not sure why. And then you can actually optimize your business processes without writing any software at all sometimes. And so that's, that's kind of a cool side effect. So let's talk about what doesn't go into a good user story. We've already touched on some of this a little bit, but one thing I want to make very clear, and this is especially for all you BAs who have tried to translate 30, 40 page requirements documents into tiny paragraphs that all start out with as a role, as a role, as a role. User stories are not user stories because they follow a specific format. User stories are user stories because they are stories that a user tells you. And those stories give you the information that we talked about. Who wants this? What do they want to do? And why is it important? So for example, if you were talking to a user, you were talking to a client and they said something like, after the payments department gets an invoice, then Kate checks it for errors and approves it for final processing. And you might ask, well, why does Kate need to check it for errors? And they might say, well, if she doesn't, sometimes we'll end up overpaying or underpaying. You've got your user story, right? Who wants this? It's Kate. What does she need to get done? She needs to be able to approve the invoices prior to payment. Why does she need to do it? Because sometimes we overpay or underpay if Kate doesn't check it. Now that may lead to other conversations, right? We might then have conversations about, well, why do we end up with invoices with errors on them? And that may generate other user stories for other parts of the application or other systems. But what I just said, after the payments department gets an invoice, Kate checks it for errors and approves it for final processing so that we don't overpay or underpay. That's a totally fine user story. That's a great user story, depending on the scope of what check it for errors means. That, that's totally fine, even though it doesn't follow the as a whatever, I want whatever format. That's not what makes it a user story. And I have seen so many well-intentioned business analysts really wring their hands trying to shoehorn a requirement into that specific format when it just doesn't fit. It doesn't have to. They all don't have to look that way. Just so long as you have the appropriate context for the conversations that have to occur around that user story. We also don't want our user story to be focused on implementation details or a technical deliverable. We don't want our user stories to talk about screens and tabs and buttons and drop downs. Those are all things that we will figure out as we design the best solution for that business capability. We want our stories to be around what the user needs to get done. Finally, we don't want our user stories to be defined by release decisions. Again, a lot of times we have a hard time thinking about bundles of value or pieces of value apart from how we're going to package them all up. Like we would never release this software with the ability to add brokers, but not the ability to delete them. Well, that may be true. However, you can have one developer working on the ability to add brokers while another developer works on the ability to delete them. You can have these things tested separately from each other. You can prioritize things differently from each other. In one project my team did, we were building an HSA broker portal and we actually built the ability to add brokers and users started using the software before we had update and delete done. Would I do that on every single project? Maybe not. In some projects, it's not valuable to be able to do that, but in that one, it certainly was. Now, we would never do like a final release, a production-ready release without all that stuff bundled together, but that doesn't mean we had to break up our user stories that way. So you want to make sure that those are two separate items in your mind. The package of value we choose to release is not the same as how we're going to break the value down into user stories. Those are two different discussions, so you don't want that to be controlled by it. 
So hopefully that frees you up a little bit. As we're talking about user stories being stories that a user actually tells you, people often ask, well, what about technical user stories? What about things like server upgrades, technical things we need to do that have to be done, but a user would never ask for them? Don't write user stories about them. They're not user stories. Do not try to take your server upgrade and put it into a narrative format. As a computer, I would like my motherboard upgraded. No, you don't. You don't need to have your stuff in user story format. You just need to capture the right context for what the user wants. You're going to have more detailed conversations about it later anyway, right? So you don't need to worry about a lot of stuff that some people worry about when they're writing user stories. We just need to know who wants this and what they're trying to get done and why it's important. That's the stuff a user will tell you as you talk to them directly. That's the stuff you can record. And then with a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of reorganizing the boundaries, it's very easy to come up with a solid list of user stories just by doing that. Thanks everyone for listening to Agile Bytes. Agile does sometimes bite, but we don't think it always has to. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be using. And if you can, leave us a comment because we'd love to hear your feedback. What things would you like to hear about? What things did you hear that were valuable to you today? You can also head over to integrityinspired.com to sign up to our email list. But that's all for today, folks. We'll see you next time.